Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. A brand new week of bringing clarity to the chaos is here. Today we begin a two-day look at what God has to say about music with Dr. Lonnie Shipman. New Year means new opportunities to meet our speakers and get in-person details about what is happening in our world. Registration is now open for all of our 2023 conferences. This year's theme for our conferences is Clarity to the Chaos. Each conference will be packed with speakers that will help you and your family make sense of the nonsense. Florida, California, Tennessee, Kansas, Indiana, Ohio, and Nevada are all on the schedule with more locations coming. Check out the events page of our website for all the details, swrc.com, and click on Events. That's swrc.com, and click on Events. Music in Bible History, Music in Church History, Music in the Ancient Past, and Music in the Heavens. Here's our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino, with today's guest, Dr. Lonnie Shipman, to explore Heaven's Orchestra. Did you know the stars sing praise to God? Job 38, verse 7 says, The morning stars sang together, and the sons of God shouted for joy. I have before me a new book titled Heaven's Orchestra. The author, Lonnie Shipman, is with me in the studio. Lonnie, thank you for coming to Oklahoma City, and thank you for your book. Well, thank you so much. It's a great honor to be with you here. You know, your book is a unique combination of several of your areas of expertise, biblical music history, the gospel, scientific information on the pre-flood world, and the music of the universe. So could you tell us about your new book and how you came up with this multifaceted concept? Well, it was an unusual situation for me. I was speaking to Dr. Carl Baugh of the Evidence Museum of Texas. And he said, they're hearing sounds of the stars, and they're recording these sounds of the stars from space. Could you take the sounds of the stars and make a recording of the Hallelujah Chorus? Well, I never even thought of such a thing. I thought, what a large project to try to do. But I thought, I'll attempt it. So I worked on it. It wasn't possible because there are not enough long, sustained tones. But instead, I made another DVD for him of stars praising God using some of these sounds. From this, he said, okay, we need a book explaining these things. And that's how the book came about. Mm. You say that your mother taught you piano and how to live and grow as a Christian. So tell us about your background in music and the combination of learning piano from your mom and how to live as a Christian. How did the two go together? I personally grew up in a pastor's home. My father was a pastor altogether, 67 years, my mother a pastor's wife, and she taught in a Bible college for 20 years, head of piano. So I started piano at four with mom and progressed to collegiate level piano by third grade. She was my teacher primarily until I started winning international competitions in piano. Then they sent me to another specialist. But my mother also was a very dedicated Christian, as her mother was. Her mother had trained her, and then she trained me, of course, and my other brothers and sisters to really live for God, even more than anyone else in the family. And I found it was wonderful to be able to use music and to live a godly life at the same time as a witness for the Lord. 
That is so wonderful because I know several Christians who have musical ability, and they sometimes we think that music and Christianity don't go. But you have a section in your book on the biblical principles of art. Tell us about what's special and what does the Bible have to say about art, about music. All of that, I think, is so important because God is the creator, and God makes everything beautiful. I know Edith Schaefer. Edith Schaefer used to say, you know, we're created in the image of God, and if that's so, God has created everything beautiful, so we should be involved in music and art. And I agree with Edith Schaefer, and I love Francis Schaefer. So tell us how this all fits together. Well, she actually had a book on music, too, you may know, Forever Music, I believe it was called. I was looking at these things about how we can use our music for God and saw that God teaches that even with Bezalel that made the tabernacle, he was given special ability and talent to make these articles of the tabernacle. Like a jeweler would make fine pieces of jewelry. He made the Ark of the Covenant, many pieces of gold and silver and things for the tabernacle. And the Bible says he was given special ability. It tells us this in Exodus 36 and Exodus 35 and 34. Here God said, I have called, I have filled, and I have given to all men able ability. And here we see God gave Bezalel ability, in, in doing this art, and he gave him a special intelligence, gave him knowledge, craftsmanship, and then he used it for teaching. And I thought, isn't that interesting that we see the same things with art as music? God also gives us talents and ability, and we had to study, of course, piano or whatever part of music you're studying to do as your very best for the Lord, but then God enables us later to even teach others. I have a music background, as you know, and I think when I was saved, the Lord put a song in my heart, really, because knowing Jesus is such a beautiful experience. And I think beauty is something that's beyond being able to convey with words. It's an experience, and knowing Jesus is an experience. And so you have that wonderful gift, that ability to play Chopin, Beethoven, sacred music. Tell us about your piano playing. Well, I was first trained as anyone would be in starting piano, and then gradually I enjoyed classical piano. So I learned most of the classics, you might say. As you mentioned, these composers, Bach, Beethoven, Mozart, later Romantic composers, Chopin, Franz Liszt, and Rachmaninoff. And then I also learned hymn arranging through my mother. She was involved in both hymn playing and church techniques as well as classical music. And later then, my mother was already arranging hymns, and I thought, wouldn't it be nice to create take some of the great classical pieces and combine them with hymns. And then after I was called to preach, I started using this as outreach to draw people to come hear a concert of the show pieces of classical music and include the hymns. They might know the classical piece of Beethoven, but they may not know the hymn, how great they art. And so then I would be able to tell them the story of Jesus and give them the gospel when they came to hear the music. I think that's so wonderful because I think even children, they appreciate music. When you communicate in that way and tell them about the Lord, it's just a way of getting into their hearts. And that's what we need to do. You know, we're not just speaking to the head. That's important. We have to be able to read and think and so on and so forth. But music opens the heart. It opens the mind. And if you are a born-again believer, my, I think there's no limit 
to your evangelistic abilities, how you communicate with people. Exactly, like you just said. First, the music, as you said, is a result of a song in our heart, as it tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, where we're singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You have this song bursting out. You're so thrilled about the Lord. But also, anyone around the world actually relates to music. So it's a wonderful evangelism tool. And I've been able to travel myself to 27 countries on 31 international tours, Telling people, often I don't know the language, we have to use translators, but they understand piano, the music, and they can hear that, and then we explain the, the hymns to them through translators, and they hear the gospel, and it's a wonderful way to tell them about Jesus. I pastor a Chinese church in Oklahoma City, and I know a lot of Chinese folks, and one of the things that is, I think, very interesting about Chinese people Every child learns violin or piano, whether they're going on for a PhD in biology or biochemistry or whatever. So there's a connection. I really believe that God has great plans for China. China has a great Christian history. And one of the amazing things about that is if you know something about music, it's a way of connecting with them. And I think so many times Christians have thought of, well, the arts, that's kind of highbrow. But no, it's not. It's beauty. It's what God has done, what God has said. I think you're a very expressive person, and I know why. You're a musician, and you're a Christian. Well, that's very kind of you. China, as a country, of course, it's an Eastern country, and they're not used to our Western styles of music, even the Western concepts of many of the things we think. So their curve music is built on pentatonic scales, different kinds of chord systems and all this. But yet, even when it was first introduced by missionaries in, in the 19th century, the Chinese loved music. Then later when the communists came, they outlawed Western music completely. They could not ever hear any classical music, especially Beethoven or anything like that, was outlawed. Then in the 1990s, they decided to try to make an impact in the Western world. And so they started specifically emphasizing people learning classical music. Suddenly, it's now a burst of excitement throughout the Far East, especially China. Classical music is more popular there than even in Europe now, it seems. And they say that's where it's continuing to grow faster than anywhere else. So even it's interesting, even though they don't have the same culture, the same history background we might have with classical music, that kind of music, the classical composers, relates to people all over the world, and it opens their hearts to enjoy beauty and art, like you're saying. But then because they have that heart opening, we can give them the gospel at the same time. You have a section in your book, it's on page 44, what is biblical worship? People have worship wars today. There's a lot of wars in churches. So you raise the question and answer it. You say, when examining the biblical subject of worship, which seems to be a common concept for believers, worship seems to be difficult to define. And you give a couple of Definitions. So oh, I've, what I've is seen worship? something like 45 or 50 <laughs> yes. different definitions, all sometimes radically different from each other. And you read famous speakers, and sometimes they don't agree with each other on worship. It seemed to be difficult to find someone who could say it very concisely and get thoroughly. And so I put about six or eight different definitions here, trying to get at the really the most important part. Scott Aniel has a clear and simple definition saying worship is a spiritual response to God as a result of understanding biblical truth about God. So you hear the truth of the Word of God, and then you respond immediately spiritually. You explain it so marvelously in your book, but you relate music and praise to the attributes of God, oh, yes. his eternality, his omnipotence. 
In other words, good theology and good music go together because if you know who God is, as he's revealed in the word of God, then you can sing about that. You can speak about that. Some of the great Reformation hymns, they're so, uh, you know, a mighty fortress is our God, so on and so forth. So I see a connection between good Christian music and the Bible and theological truth about our Heavenly Father, about the Trinity, about his love, about his grace. Exactly. In the book, I explain how that the praise especially is based upon God and his attributes. And then I give about 15 verses, and each verse I shall hear first, each of these 15 verses talk about God, God personally, some attribute of God or some ability he has. Then next I show in the same verses, here's the acts of God, how he saves or protects or, or helps in some way. We see this constantly about praise. So it's all biblically based. And we should be careful that our worship and praise stays biblical and not bringing in the worldly sense. But we stay completely dedicated to Christ and all we do. And by emphasizing the old hymns of the faith, we're also emphasizing great theology. They're full of the Bible. They said that when the revivals came, many of these hymns were written as a result of the revivals, and the preaching was the fire that ignited people's hearts. But that fire was fueled with the hymns of the faith. You know, I think it's very obvious that the creation shows design. I mean, just to think that all of this happened by accident, I think is ludicrous. And you talk about cosmic design, biologic design, electromagnetic design, symbiotic design, and joyous design. So how, for example, do we find design in musical overtones and in the harmonic structures of music, the diatonic scale, for example, the Aeolian scale, the Dorian scale, they're all mathematical, there are proportions there. Tell us a little bit about overtones, the science of sound, and how music embodies that. Some people think that any kind of sound is music, but it's very clear the Bible talks about the melody, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, and these are based upon basic concepts that everyone used to understand, melody and harmony and rhythm. Now they are trying to say that any sound is music, but we know that scientifically, music is actually made of a bass tone which has higher sounding tones we sometimes call overtones. And they go in a mathematical relationship, as you were just saying. They end up making, if you hit one bass note, one low note in a melody, it makes a series of higher notes, typically as many as 64 higher notes. And that would spell out what we would think of as our major chords today in music. Really, specifically, the minor two, five, and then one chord. It's really the three chords you hear at the beginning and the end of almost all of our music, such as the song, Three Blind Mice. It starts out, Three Blind Mice, and it goes through the little song. It ends again, Three Blind Mice. The chords that go, which is so simple, little notes, are the three basic chords of all music. And we hear it all over the world. So when you sing these kind of things, people relate to it. What's also interesting is if you sing something a little off, people notice they can hear a wrong note. Now, I thought that was fascinating as a little kid because I would watch other children learning music, and I myself started early, but some people who didn't have any musical background could still hear the wrong note. And I thought, how could they do that? They didn't study Mozart like I did, but they still can hear because this is the way God made us and the way God made music all over the world. I used to play in the high school orchestra. Music was very good for me because I was not a Christian then. And I think the fact that I was in the orchestra and the band, it was very good for me. And I think it's so good for so many teenagers. I think bands and orchestras in high school are very, very important. But I noticed 
If the orchestra is in tune, if the violins are in tune with one another, it's loud and clear. But if one is a little out of tune with the other, or like the strings of a piano, if they're not all properly tuned, there's not a clarity. So when we have that perfect tonality, then it rings true, then it pierces, then it penetrates. And so I think, you know, we're reminded of overtones, how they can fight each other or how they are consonant. There's a difference between consonance and dissonance, and I think it has to do with the overtones. Mm -hmm. Well, even really, to be honest with you, probably Joshua mentioned this to Moses. Moses was coming down, and they had the golden calf. They were worshiping, and Joshua heard an uncertain sound of the camp, a sound of war. He wasn't sure what it was, and Moses said, no, it's the sound of singing I hear. He noticed, he knew immediately, but it wasn't the right kind of singing, the wrong kind of singing, and he wanted to point them to the correct kind of music. He knew immediately when he heard it, it was something wrong. He did not know at first they were worshiping the golden calf, but he saw that later when he came down and saw these results of the sin. Well, Lonnie, thank you so much for being our guest. It's been a great blessing, and we're going to have you back, and we will continue our discussion. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, thank you so much. It's been a great honor. Stay tuned for much more from Dr. Shipman on Heaven's Orchestra. Dr. Lonnie Shipman has written a fascinating book entitled Heaven's Orchestra, The Stars Sing Praise to God. Hearing sounds from outer space, scientists have discovered that stars can sing. When God created the earth and universe, he tells us the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy. Job 38.7 What does God teach us about music? In the pages of this book, You will learn about music in Bible history, music in church history, music in the ancient past, and music in the heavens. Does music have a moral character? What does creation have to do with music? You'll find fascinating insights and a surprising journey as we look at music in the Bible. Learn how all creation praises the Lord. Heaven's Orchestra by Dr. Lonnie Shipman. Order your copy today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. Watchman on the Wall and our monthly newsletter, The Prophetic Observer, is committed to keeping time on God's prophetic clock. Our next segment, Headlines from the End Times, does just that. Here's Dr. Larry Spargimino and Marvin McIlvaney. Well, Marvin, can you believe it? 2023. 2022 seems like a blur. It went by so fast. Some big things happened last year, like Roe v. Wade being overturned. Finally, after killing babies by the millions for the past 50 years, it's met its death, hopefully. They still kill babies, but it might be a little harder. Russia invaded Ukraine. Russia sent troops into neighboring Ukraine for the start of what's become a nearly year-old invasion. Russian President Vladimir Putin tried to justify the attack with claims that Ukraine was threatening Russia and being governed by Nazis. Could you believe that? Queen Elizabeth passed away after 70 years on the throne. There was a big scare about monkeypox for a while. That happened around the start of last summer when a monkeypox outbreak was reported in England. It also quickly spread across the world, infecting people in all 50 states and killing at least six people. The virus is mainly spread among gay and bisexual men, although health officials continue to stress that anyone can be infected. 
And I would say this is the third year of having to deal with COVID. The biggest waves of COVID were largely because of the Omicron variant. They say it peaked sometime around March in the United States. Cases fell over the summer, but the winter and the holidays are bringing back higher case counts. Speaking of COVID, apparently there's a new wave going on right now in China. Of course, you can't get any credible information from the Chinese government, so researchers around the world are looking for any clues to determine the size and severity of the wave. Some estimates say around 250 million Chinese are infected. That's a lot of sick people. The reason why this wave is different than the others is that some people are showing different symptoms. I have reports here that some COVID patients had black tongues. Some others have developed COVID toe. COVID toe is a frostbite-like rash with blisters that form on people's feet and fingers, causing their toes and the tips of fingers to become swollen and purple. There's also cases of tingly nerves, rashes, and hair loss. That black tongue sounds disgusting. According to Dr. Chen Hong, healthy tongue cells replace themselves. But if older cells linger and build on top of one another, it forms a dark, thick, fuzzy overgrowth. Some people may also feel a burning sensation inside their mouth. All this sounds pretty scary, Pastor Larry. It's scary for the health of hundreds of millions of Chinese people who have these weird symptoms, and it's scary about the future of the pandemic. I mean, another wave would really cause major problems for the whole world. I think another big wave would wipe out our economy, and no telling what it would do to the world's economy. In Hong Kong, one team of researchers studied passenger data from five different Beijing subway lines to determine the potential spread. Now, people noticed some social media posts from China, some personal anecdotes that report scarce medicines, overrun hospitals, and overflowing crematories. Researchers are all trying to understand the same things. How quickly is the virus spreading in the country? How many people are dying? Could China be the source of a new and dangerous variant? Until recently, the world seemed to have a reasonably clear understanding of what was happening with the virus in China. The ruling Communist Party proudly published low daily case numbers and deaths as a testament to its stringent zero-COVID policy. A countrywide system of lockdowns, quarantines, and mass testings largely kept the virus at bay. The data coming from Chinese government can't be trusted anymore. Officially, China has claimed just 12 deaths from COVID since December the 1st. Just from the videos I saw on YouTube, we'll tell you that that's a big fat lie. There are millions who are just dying. The video I watched was a report from Milan, Italy, where two big jets arrived from China. They tested everybody aboard the planes. 50% of them had COVID, and that's not good. And when you think about our borders, we all remember when President Trump invoked Title 42 in 2020, trying to prevent the spread of COVID. The Democrats said he was a racist. Title 42 is a part of U.S. law that deals with public health, social welfare, and civil rights. It gives the federal government the ability to take emergency action to keep communicable diseases out of the country. Before President Trump used it in 2020, it had only been used in 1929 to keep ships from China and the Philippines from entering the U.S. during a meningitis outbreak. The Biden administration has been trying to end the policy. 
The world reached another milestone last year. It was on November 15, 2022, actually. The world population reached 8 billion people, according to the United Nations. The UN said the figure meant that 1 billion people had been added to the global population in just 12 years. Quote, this unprecedented growth is due to the gradual increase in human lifespan owing to improvements in public health, nutrition, personal hygiene, and medicine, the UN statement read. Middle-income countries, mostly in Asia, accounted for most of the growth over the past decade, gaining some 700 million people since 2011. India added about 180 million people and is set to surpass China as the world's most populous nation next year. Reaching 8 billion people in global population is, quote, an occasion to celebrate diversity and advancements while considering humanity's shared responsibility for the planet, so says UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres. Having more people on Earth puts more pressure on nature as people compete with wildlife for water, food, and space. The so-called experts say that rapid population growth combined with climate change is also likely to cause mass migration and conflict in coming decades. I would say we already have mass migration and conflicts. They go on to say that whether it's food or water, batteries or gasoline, whatever it is, there will be less of it to go around as the global population grows. That's exactly what we're trying to say, too. If our population grows by allowing millions of immigrants to come into our country, there will be less to go around. The schools are crowded. The hospitals are crowded. Our welfare systems are maxed out. Everything will be affected. We have to allow them in slowly, like getting into a boat. You can't all just jump in at the same time. The boat would capsize. Well, speaking of not having enough to go around, we could say that inflation was a big news item from last year. It still is. Prices are high on everything. This is the worst inflation crisis the United States has seen in four decades. The Federal Reserve has raised interest rates aggressively throughout 2022 in an effort to tame rising prices and avoid a recession. Inflation is sapping the spending power of consumers. Overall spending has shifted increasingly toward necessities like food, while spending on electronics, furniture, new clothes, and other non-necessities has faded. I haven't seen any reports on how good this Christmas was for retailers, but I think because we were able to get out and shop, it had to have been better than the last two years. Pastor Larry, I would like to think that this year will be better than last year, but who knows? Maybe Jesus will come back this year. Well, Jesus told us, of course, to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And we've got to do that before he comes back. Time rushes on. Every minute that passes is one minute less to fill our mandate. The Bible says, redeeming the time for the days are evil. Marvin, don't we know that? That days are really evil. So I want to encourage everyone to have a daily time of prayer and personal worship. You need to stay strong in the Lord. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, friends, we're all ministers, and the ministry is only as good as the minister. Every one of us can make a difference. God is waiting on you and on me. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15.10, But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. 
The book, Heaven's Orchestra by Dr. Lonnie Shipman, is our featured resource today. Order your copy when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. Tomorrow, Dr. Shipman will return with more insight into Heaven's Orchestra, music in the Bible. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Please visit swrc.com.